This is the Frogcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. Spring football has come to an end. A handful of faithful people, more than a handful, got out there to Eamon G. Carter Stadium on Saturday to see the 2018 Horn Frogs. We're going to talk about the spring game. We're going to talk about recruiting. We're going to muster up the courage to talk about baseball. That and so much more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, I don't think we have a bigger fan on this show than Daniel Southern. Jeremy, of course, is an objective journalist that has no pulse when the game is played because he's just a journalist covering it. But Daniel is a diehard fan. His family goes all the way back to the national championship teams with following around with Sammy Ball and uh, Davey O'Brien. Daniel, you're such a big fan. Tell me, you went to the game on Saturday, right? That was such a cold, cold experience that I... um... Stayed home, made chili, and watched the Masters. So, um, yeah, that's how big a fan I am. I'm too big a pansy to make it out. Um, but uh, I, I hear it went well, and there was a good crowd. So you watched um, it on Twitter? No, I was watching the Masters. <laughs> well, Jeremy, you were out there. Tell us how cold it was. Man, it was the coldest spring day I've ever experienced in my life. I can't ever remember a day that it was so cold. I mean, I, everyone's just bundled up head to toe. I'm in a hoodie. I've got my thick gloves on. I can't, I'm not tweeting very much during the game because my hands are so cold. I can't even get out my phone and hold it still enough to where I could top on it. Um, but man, God, you got to give props to the fans. They turned out pretty good. I think probably about 65 to maybe 70% of the lower Eastern side was filled. Um, lots of good recruits there on hand. And, uh, you know, it was a, uh, basic scripted scrimmage as we always see every year from the frogs, but overall good turnout. Uh, the weather could have been much better, but, uh, under cer- the certain cir- circumstances that you had good turnout. Well, you were there for the uh, the post-scrimmage press conference with Coach Patterson on the field, and I understand you actually got some exclusive audio that you're going to share with us. You asked him what the weather was like. Uh, what did he have to say? This is Kansas Spring. It doesn't bother me. Nice. I appreciate you getting that. That's the kind of stuff you pay for on this uh, podcast. Other thing was, uh, what, what did he have to say about player development? Well, <laughs> there's a... Uh... <laughs> Oh, wait. Hold on. Uh, his, his voice changed. That's weird. <laughs> wow. Did you not be – you weren't able to cue up the audio there. Okay. Take a step. up. Every position. Getting tougher. Defense is coming along. Offense to good. Quarterbacks. Fall football. Good, good. I appreciate up. you being out audio there. audio spotty right now. It's coming in and out. <laughs> <laughs> fake Jerry's got nothing on fake Gary. I know fake Jerry's got nothing on fake Gary. No, in all honesty, it was, it was you know, he, you know, Coach P seemed you know seemed really happy about the uh, about the scrimmage, and I think he's overall pretty happy with way the the team's progressing. It seriously right now is like a, a hospital ward, though, guys. I mean, there's so many guys that are missing. There was only three cornerbacks that played up until about four. Four days ago, there was only going to be three defensive tackles that were going to play. 
Um, the offensive line is kind of a makeshift offensive line. Lucas Nang didn't go at all yesterday. That's uh, I, I was watching that. He was in full pads, but he just didn't go. But uh, the the slot receivers, there was only uh, three slot receivers going. There was only one tight end going, which was a walk-on tight end, Cole Novak. Um, none of the three scholarship tight ends were playing. Um, Kennedy Snell was out. He's a third-string running back. So if anyone was wondering who that third-string running back was, I couldn't even tell you because I'd, I'd never seen him before. So, uh, I mean, just up and down the roster, it seemed like every position had someone um, of significance that was that was not playing. I think, obviously, Ben Banigou didn't play. Ross Blacklock didn't play. Julius Lewis didn't play. Um, Garrett Wallow was another guy that didn't play. He got sick a couple of days ago, so he was out. And he's a guy that was – really starting to come on this spring. And even coach P said after the, uh, after the practice that he's a guy that they're going to watch very closely in the fall that he still thinks can make some waves. And I've been saying all along, and I mentioned him as the starter at linebacker uh, on my preview by the end of spring, I thought he was going to be the starter and, and the way coach P sounded talking about him. I think it's a pretty good chance that if he's not the starter, he's still going to push for that position once fall comes. But overall, I mean, it was a, uh, it was a. They still got two practices left, by the way. Too, uh, we didn't find that out till Saturday. So they're they're still going to practice a couple days this week, finish everything, and and then they'll be done. But um, overall, uh, the the injuries were pretty significant. But I think a lot of those were precautionary injuries. Um, guys that cleaned some stuff up over the off season that could have maybe gone just a little bit, but they just left out, um, and they'll be all all be ready in the fall. But the good news is when you when you have guys that are missing significant playing time, it also gives the younger players significant playing time. And that's one of the things that Coach P really liked about this spring is because all those freshmen really grew up. The redshirt freshmen really grew up over the spring camp. And once fall gets here, they're not going to have to be teaching them so much. They're already going to know what to do. So that's a good thing and kind of puts them ahead of the curve once fall camp starts. One of the big questions uh, that that just kind of generated on the line, and then we kind of got some confirmation of it once the season got, once the spring practice got going, is we actually have kind of a sort of a quarterback battle between Sean Robinson and you know the the kid Collins that came from Penn down here. Tell us a little bit about Michael Collins, and tell us a little bit about Sean Robinson, and what you were able to see from the two of them, aware of the the clearly the the truncated expectations of the glorified scrimmage. Right, right. So the defense pretty much knows what's what's coming. Um, they know the offensive personnel, they know the formations that are going to be thrown at them, but the offense has to execute. The receivers have to get open. Quarterbacks have to make plays. Offensive line has to block. I think Sean and Michael both did pretty well. Um, I, I don't think they did exceptionally well. I think obviously they made some mistakes with Sean. The thing I liked about him on his touchdown pass to Shaywo, he did a great job, um, staying in the pocket, but when he got a little bit of rush, he showed his scrambling ability. And the good thing that he showed is keeping his eyes downfield. And that's something that it took a guy like Trevon Boykin all the way up until his junior season before he really started to focus his eyes downfield when he was escaping the pocket. So to see Sean as just a true sophomore escape a rush, escape the pocket and find Shea on the end zone, that was a pretty good play. Downside, he forced a couple balls. He's He's got pretty good arm strength. And I think he feels that that arm strength can – let him get away with some of those passes he threw one pass over the middle and, and he really didn't get rushed it was a big third down play 
really didn't get rushed, stayed in the pocket, threw it over the middle, and Nico Small got an easy interception. It was a forced pass. He threw it into a crowd, and that was one of those plays where you were thinking, okay, well, he's he's definitely got to grow up past that, and he was forcing that, so he, he needs to move on from, from that play. But overall, uh, showed some good running ability. Showed, you know, I think Collins came in and displayed a pretty strong arm, so I think that kind of lit a fire under Sean, and to where he wanted to throw some good passes as well. So later in the, in the scrimmage, he started throwing the ball a little bit harder. Um, knows when to uh, let loose on a, on a hard pass. Knows when to kind of take some velocity off passes and put some more touch on it. So he, he did well in that. Collins, uh, he, when he came in, it was kind of funny because the first series with Sean, they, they go down and score. So you're thinking, okay, well, that's – but it was a it was it was a run pass mix. They didn't they weren't real pass heavy. When Collins came in, it was a pass heavy series. I mean, the first three play calls they were all passes, and he had some good throws. Uh, Nigel Meeking dropped a couple passes that were rotting his grasp, and you're thinking, okay, well that it's pretty pretty cold day. It's going to be tough to catch some catch some passes. So I didn't I didn't fault him too much on that. But uh, he he did throw a nice pass to Tay Barber for a touchdown over the middle. Uh, the mistake that he had was he threw a deep pass over the middle to, uh, I believe it was intended for Meeking. And he kind of got, it was, it was crazy because he either got hit by his offensive lineman or the defensive lineman kind of, kind of hit him a little bit. It wasn't a hard hit because these guys have red jerseys on, they're not going to get hit. And it took, it took some of the, uh, something off his pass. So his pass was underthrown and Kerry Johnson came underneath, made a great play to get the interception. But overall, I think both quarterbacks played pretty well. Collins has come in and really given them another dimension at quarterback. Uh, he is a guy that probably isn't going to run a whole lot. He's not going to be the type of runner Sean is, but he did show some escapability on one play on a third down where he escaped the pocket and ran for a first down. So he's not uh, he's not back there as just a pure pocket passer. He does have some mobility, so that's a good thing. But I think with either one of those quarterbacks, he can win a lot of football games. And even with Grayson Muelstein, he didn't get a lot of reps, but he knows the offense very well. He's a fifth-year senior. He can come in and, and, and be suitable at the position to move the offense if he needs to. Um, but overall, the three quarterbacks, I, I think TCU's in a very good spot with uh, each of those guys. And I think with Collins' development – and the way he's really exceeded expectations, he is on scholarship now. He did get a scholarship in January, so he's no longer labeled as a walk-on quarterback. He is actually a scholarship quarterback. I think with with the way he's emerged and really taken on the knowledge of the offense, obviously has the arm strength, I think that's going to let them uh, redshirt Justin Rogers this year. It's probably not what Justin wants because Justin wants to get out there and play right away. He's He's, you know, in, in, in his mind, he he's ready to go out there and play. But like I've told you guys all along, they're going to be slow with that process. And right now, the the, the worst enemy of Justin is just time. He's got to he's got to be patient with with the time it takes to heal such a uh, such a gruesome injury that he had last year. So I think that's what you're going to see with the three quarterbacks, yeah. Sean, Michael and and uh, Grayson and I think the I think the battle could go into fall but right now Sean's leading it let's let's do a hypothetical here what would it take for Justin Rogers red shirt to be pulled well he's got to be a hundred percent healthy I mean he, he's okay got so we- that's that's the thing he's 
you've got to start with him. It's, it's nothing that the other quarterbacks are going to do right now. Right now, it's him. That's he, okay. He's not playing just because of him. I mean, they're taking it slow with the, with, with the whole process. So if he's 100% and they're really struggling at quarterback, then the red shirt would come off. If he's showing – but, but you also got to remember – He's got to be practicing it just because they're saying, okay, well, he, he might be ready in the fall. Doesn't mean he's going to go full speed in the fall. Now I'm thinking he will, but I still think the, the emergence of Collins, unless Justin just comes in and sets the world on fire with his ability to, to pick up the offense. He, the good thing is he's on campus already. So he's already in the quarterback meetings, already in film. He's obviously out there every practice watching, watching the offense move, watching Sonny come. Uh, call the plays, so he he's getting all this knowledge and he's soaking it up. The only problem is it's a lot different when you're actually playing out there instead of just watching. The all of a sudden the players that look slow on the sideline become very fast when you're on the field, and so that's something that he's got to develop once he gets in there and actually starts getting team reps. So just think of it this way: as as a as a as a position player. He's grasping great knowledge right now. He's he's soaking everything in, like I said. But and, and he and he's and he's basically a redshirt freshman right now, even though he's only been on campus. He's he's gaining that knowledge to where he's by fall he'll be considered like a redshirt freshman knowledge wise. But player wise, it's just like him coming in basically as a true what he is a true freshman hasn't played an over that's a, that's what one thing people got to remember this guy only played like one or two games as a senior so it's almost been a full year and got hurt. yeah so it's almost been a full year since he's had any kind of activity on the football field and so that's very no matter how high he's ranked i love justin death he and i and i told everyone this kid's the highest ranked kid they've ever signed at tcu under gary patterson he has a lot of expectations coming in but you also gotta you also gotta kind of temper your expectations because this kid hasn't played football in a long time and there's no guarantee that just because he was highly ranked that he's just going to walk in and beat out Sean Robinson or Michael Collins or Grayson Milstein. I mean, he's, he's obviously going to give them great depth, but I, like I said before, I think the emergence of Michael Collins and Grayson Milstein having the ability, ability to lead the offense as well allows them to not have to rush Justin's recovery and allow him to redshirt. I think he'll travel to every game, every away game. I think they're going to take four quarterbacks no, no matter where they go. And he's gonna he's gonna grasp with knowledge. Everyone remembers. I mean, Andy Dalton redshirted, Trevon Boykin redshirted. It's not like it's a slap in the face if Justin Rogers gets to, has to have a redshirt. No, it's, it's, no, no, it's a it's not at yeah. all. But I know some people will think that way just because he came in as a as a highly regarded recruit. And I know yeah. Justin wants to be out there. You can just see it in his face yesterday. He just stand on the sideline yeah. you, you just know he wants to be out there and i feel so sorry for him because he's such a good kid comes from a great family and, and i know he's going to do very very big things at tcu but they just might not happen as fast as he wanted them to let's flip to what's going to what's going to make the quarterback battle interesting which is can we can protect up front 
offensive line is obviously the I think in my opinion the biggest question mark about depth and ability and the way that that group needs to not only be skilled at what they do but gel and figuring out who plays what position and feel comfortable in terms of making their calls and knowing their reads and knowing each other's tendencies if I was to put you on the spot right now Jeremy who are the starting five at the offensive line this year real quick who you got on the front five starting well left tackle I think it's going to be Austin Myers and left guard is going to be Cordell center center's the biggest question right now I think Obviously, Kelton Hollins is a guy that they're real high on, and, and even though he hasn't practiced a whole lot this spring, he was still out there um, with the starters at center and uh, with the first-team offensive line, he was starting center. And uh, that, that's a guy they have very, very high expectations for. And uh, I can I can see him – and I know Coach P likes him a lot too, so I can see him starting at center and taking over for uh, Austin and Patrick. But right guard – right guard's a big question mark right now because – Chris Gaynor played there yesterday, but Trey Elliott was out. Uh, uh, McDermott Vi was what out. About Wes Harris. Yeah, Wes Harris was out. He's, he's a guy I was about to mention. Wes Harris is probably a guy that, if he was healthy this spring, I think he would have been the starter. But Wes is kind of in a position where he could play right guard, or they could put him at center. And I know that uh, the the coaches have told him that he needs to start snapping the ball because center is potentially in his future. He's built a lot like Patrick Morris was, and he's strong as an ox like Patrick was, and he's a very good offensive lineman. So he's one of those guys that is kind of like Austin and Patrick could play either center or guard to make them better at either one of those positions. And uh, right tackle, it's it, I'm still thinking it's going to be Lucas. Lucas didn't play yesterday mm-hmm. because uh, just another one of those long list of guys that were banged up. So you had to uh, trot out David Bolasomi yesterday, and no offense to David, but he didn't do – exceptionally well i mean he, with all due respect yeah, i mean he he had a tough he had a tough day you I know mean, lj collier had a great day at defensive end and uh, most of that was against david so uh it, it is a big question mark and I, I think that's why when you hear all the spring reports when we talk to coach p and we always mention the offensive line he's always talking about the three tackles and the three tackles right now are austin anthony and lucas now there was a point in the scrimmage yesterday where Anthony McKinney was working first team left tackle and then Austin Myers was working first team right tackle. So it's good to see Austin Myers have uh, enough versatility to play the left and right side. Cause I haven't seen, I haven't Mm -hmm. seen uh, Lucas make a transition over to left and I haven't seen Anthony make the move over to right. So I think they're really having uh, high expectations for Anthony. Anthony is a humongous human being. I mean, just massive, massive dude. And they have very high hopes for him. I mean, he was the one of the top uh, rated Juco linemen in the country last year. And, and they signed him because, hey, man, you need to come in here. We need to we need immediate help at left tackle or right tackle. And you're our guy. And so that's that's kind of where he's been. And he's only been on campus for a few months and, and he's already getting in there working with the second or first team. He's He's competing for one of those two spots. And I think by the time fall rolls around, I think he'll be a guy that is definitely getting a ton of playing time. He might not start, but if you've seen over the past few years, TCU does a pretty good job shuffling their offensive linemen. I think he would be one of those guys that would be a six lineman type, like kind of like Austin was early in his career when he could play pretty much any of the offensive line positions. I don't think Anthony's going to trot out there, play center or play guard, but I think he could definitely come in and uh, get a lot of reps at tackle and, and maybe okay. give some of those guys a break. 
That's great. I appreciate you sharing that. That's going to be the big concern I have going through the through the end of the spring here and through the summer, getting ready for next fall. Is is what are they going to be able to do on the offensive line? Real test is going to be week three there at Jerry World against uh, Ohio State and that that stout defensive line they have. One of the things I love about uh, the close of spring football, I know they got a couple practices left, is it does mean that the next time they get together, we're we're thirty days away from football. So you kind of enter into this season where. You know, you just hope nobody does anything stupid. You hope nobody gets hurt. You hope the knucklehead factor is is reduced down to zero and everybody makes the most of the, of the educational opportunity they have and, and make grades and all that kind of stuff. But I just start to get excited when I think the next time that they're going to be out there is when the Frogs are going to be taking the field. Daniel, when you look at this 2018 roster, uh, not only what we've learned from the spring game, but what you get excited about in the fall, what are you excited about from this team? Not just wins and losses or who we're going to play, but who are some guys that you see or what are some trends that you're expecting from this team to get your blood going? Um, I'm looking forward to the defensive line. Um, I think uh, I'm also looking forward to quarterback play, see how that and that does, as well as the skill positions, um, kind of as we did, was just touched upon. Uh, offensive line's got some question marks. Um, I think they'll be okay, though, but I think that I'm really excited about the defense. Um, uh, I guess we'd have four Bs across the line again with uh, Blacklock, Bethley, uh, Banigou, and maybe uh, Bowen. Yes. I heard he did pretty well. We did have a Brandon uh, Bowen sighting. Yeah, Bowen actually did pretty well. Yeah, that's what I heard. And I uh, heard that he's uh, pretty beastly these days, and that's exciting. I'm glad. The hair does it for him, man. The hair's, the hair's like the predator look. It's it's awesome. It is. It is. Yeah, it's pretty intimidating. So, so it would be cool to have a, another line of bees uh as as we kind of had last year um but that's what that's what's exciting to me is is you know having Ross Blacklock and, and Corey Bethley back in there those guys were killer last year and just thinking about just another year under the you know strength and conditioning and and, and practicing and just how much havoc they're going to uh, they're going to cause um that's that's what's exciting to me because I know what kind of know what to expect um but the the rest of the stuff is kind of a little up in the air. Uh, so that's what I'm most looking forward to because um, I, I know – I don't know what to say. I'm, 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 I'm screwing myself up here. Um, yes, that's my answer. Good answer. <laughs> Although I, I do hear that there's a name change and that L.J. Ballier is going to be uh, changing his name from Collier to Ballier because, <laughs> m- my goodness, if you go back and watch the Alamo Bowl and what he was able to do against some, some pretty stout Stanford offensive linemen, I think he's found his spot as a rush edge uh, defensive end. And I, I hope that, that L.J. Ballier is going to be able to, to join the killer bees up front because if you put Collier and Blacklock and Bethley and Banigou up there – and then, then rotate in Brandon Bowen to, to have have a little more speed on the edge. That is a really nasty defensive line. To that gets me excited too. That's that's going to be the strength of this team next year. Is, is honestly the front the front six. So we'll uh, we'll get to who how how we might have an addition to that here in a second. But that's that's what I get excited about. Jeremy, what's our biggest concern? I know we've talked about offensive line, and that's the easy answer. But what's your biggest concern coming out of spring? Uh, I mean, obviously, offensive line, they've got to get it built. And the other – the, the roster's pretty loaded at a lot of positions, but the the two positions that concern me just because of the depth is running back and cornerback. I will say this. When I talk about running back, 
I think the Frogs have the two best, the the best one-two duo in the Big Twelve. I think they've they've got the. Everyone talks about you have this thunder and lightning package. I mean, TCU honestly does have that package. I mean, you got Darius Anderson who looked phenomenal yesterday. He he looks. I mean, he. I, I talked to him after just because one of my buddies was up there and he was his kids were taking pictures and I said, Hey man, you look great. You know, you feeling good. And he's like, Oh, I'm a hundred percent, man. I feel awesome. And so he looked a hundred percent. That was one of the guys where I thought they weren't going to let anything close to <laughs> let him get hit. I, and he was out there running around and he looks, he looks explosive again. So I, I think he uh, is uh, prime for a big year and Shaywo did pretty good too. Shaywo sh- showed some versatility catching the football, obviously ran hard, um, but the, the thing that concerns me is the death behind him because Kennedy, is he wasn't playing yesterday, so you really didn't get a chance to see what he looks like as a running back. And then they really only have Fabian Franklin coming in, and it's still he's got a great chance to be on campus, but there's still that small percentage that he may not be on campus. So it's still up in the air until June, until I haven't been given the word that he is 100% going to be on campus. I haven't been given that word yet. So uh, that's one of the things that you got to look at. If if they have injuries at running back, then you start to kind of get worried a little bit with what they're going to be able to trot out there. Because I don't think that Kennedy Snell is anywhere close to be being ready if he had to, to be able to take a uh, a game over with 20 carries like Darius Anderson or Shaywo could. Uh, cornerback, they only had three corners yesterday. And Julius Lewis, he missed most of the season last year. He would be the starter right now if he was healthy. I mean, he he's, he says he has that kind of playmaking ability. Um, Jeff Gladney is, I think, going to be a All Big Twelve corner this year. I think he's primed for a good year. Um, but other than that, you have uh, some depth concerns. You have Tony James; he's got some experience. He played out there yesterday. Um, but Noah Daniels is a redshirt freshman. You don't know what he can do yet. Um, Keenan Reed was another guy that he, he got a little bit experience last year, mostly a special teams guy, but he hasn't had a lot of, he hasn't had a lot of uh, game activity at corner. So you really don't know what he could do yet either. So it's going to be an interesting spot yeah. and you got a new coach. You mean Jeremy Mockins is out there coaching um, cornerbacks. And I think Jeremy's going to do a, a phenomenal job as a coach, but he's, He's got a. He doesn't have a lot in the cupboard right now, as far as uh, uh, things to choose from. He's he's only got a limited roster right now, so they've got to get some guys in there and be ready to play. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up the coverage of the spring game. I think we had a lot to to, to process from that. I think we got a pretty obvious assessment of where the strengths and, and some growing edges, as we would say, are. But let's look at in our, in our, one of our favorite topics on this podcast, which is recruiting. We had two graduate transfers on campus that were being actively recruited by the Frogs, offensive linemen coming in from Tech, an outside linebacker coming from my neck of the woods up here at uh, Northern Illinois University, a, uh, a stout mid-major program. They're, they're pretty salty. I give them credit for being a really good Mac team. Looks like Jawan Johnson, who is visiting from Northern Illinois, was on campus this weekend, and he has committed, according to Twitter, this evening. So, Jeremy, tell us a little bit about Johnson, what he brings, and maybe a little bit about his background, about why he's transferring in the first place. 
Yeah, I think he's going to add. That's one of the. It's crazy because one of the positions that TCU is is pretty good at right now is linebacker. Um, they've got some pretty good depth. Obviously, they got to replace Traven Howard, but getting a guy like him, you're talking about an All MAC performer. He had 98 tackles last year, was second on the team, uh, had five interceptions, which led the team. Then he had a FBS leading five forced fumbles. If you watch his tape, as highlight, he gets all over the place, man. He's got great ball instincts. He's he's great side to side. I think he's going to do well in the Big 12 defense. And do I think he's going to come in and just set the world on fire? I want to see how he competes in the fall with some of the other linebackers. But obviously, it's a great addition. And it's one of those players that wanted to uh, venture off and, and maybe play some big-time football. I mean, obviously, he was uh, – big man on campus at Northern Illinois. I mean, he, he had a, a great, great junior season, but he's originally from Texas, played at New Boston, uh, former teammate of cornerback Jeff Gladney. So I think Jeff pretty much helped with this whole recruitment because once uh, once Juwan had announced that he wanted to transfer, Jeff had kind of went to the TCU coaches and, you know, once Juwan had his release and everything and said, hey, this – one of my ex teammates, he's he's looking for another program. So they watched him and and they decided, yeah, he's he's a good fit for us. And they invited him down. And obviously, the rest of history. He committed tonight. Says he's uh, really excited about playing close to home. And and uh, he said one of the big things that really led him to choosing TCU was the fact the way they play the way they play defense. And his main goal is to get to the NFL. And he knows what. Um, Gary Patterson has done in the past with uh, developing players and getting them to the next level. And he said that was a major, major part of his decision was the fact that uh, Coach Patterson has got such a good reputation of developing players. So good pickup for them. And uh, we'll we'll see how he uh, transitions to the Frogs defense. But obviously it's going to help them a little bit. That's that's a that's a great, great thing. Anytime you can land a uh, all conference player um, to your roster. Real quick here, Jeremy, uh, Adam Rittenberg, who writes, who covers college football for ESPN, a, a reputable writer. Uh, this is not fake news. He's reporting that he has committed to TCU and canceled a visit to Alabama. Now, that sounds like message board fodder to me, but uh, Adam Rittenberg doesn't just throw stuff out there. Uh, yeah. Do you know, I heard SMU, I heard Baylor. Had you heard that he was in the works to take a visit to Alabama or they, they had no. at least taken a look at him? Okay. No, I, hadn't heard, I hadn't heard anything about Alabama. Only thing I right, well, thing I'd heard was SMU or Baylor. Well, let's just take that run then. We stole a recruit from Alabama. That sounds a lot better. So, no, that that was curious. Somebody just DM me that story, and uh, it caught my eye here as we were talking. So, hey, I'm glad to have him. I think I, his, like you said, his tape. He's he's born to play in this defense, and if he wants to get to the NFL or at least get some clips of what he can do, this is a great place for him to be. And this is one of the reasons I like that grad transfer option. Is yeah. you can pick up a kid that he's done everything that was asked of him. He went he went and got his degree, which is what college football should be about. It's helping mm-hmm. people get education and he's got that degree and now he gets to further himself professionally as well as educationally at TCU and get closer to family. I, I, I want him, I want the best for him regardless of whether he sees the field, but I hope he kills it on the field. So. You know, what's crazy about it is because he's, he's basically like a TCU player out of high school because no one recruited him. Northern Illinois was his only offer. And so it's just a, it, when you, when you look at TCU's classes and they, they sign these two, these low-ranked two-star uh, recruits, and all of a sudden they develop over the years, they get better, and by the time they're leaving, some of them are All-Americans, and, and they're going on to the NFL draft, getting drafted and playing in the NFL. Um, you know, we, we can name a long list of players that we've seen do that at TCU, and this is kind of the same mode of kid 
because he has a chip on his shoulder. He didn't have a lot of uh, hoopla coming out of high school, and he really developed between being 18 and to where he is now. Uh, and, and that's that's a classic TCU recruit, man. It's it's just perfect for him, and it's perfect for TCU that they're going to get get a chance to coach him his last year of college football. Well, tell us about the offensive lineman from Texas Tech, because as, as I posted on the board, this could be a double win where yeah. you get an offensive lineman and you get a kid from Tech, which I think <laughs> is great. What did you? Uh, what, what what do we know about him? Tell us a little bit about what he can contribute and where the frogs stand in his recruitment. Well, that's that's one of those deals deals where uh, you know they're looking for a tackle and they need tackles, not because they think the tackles they have stink. It's just because they don't have the numbers. And they really only have four offensive tackles right now on the roster. And, and they've got some guys coming in from the signing class. But you want guys that have really played in the trenches already as a college football player. And if you can get a guy like him, big kid, uh, he didn't play football last year. The only knock on him is he's had some injuries with his knees. But the the thing I've heard good about him is is he's tough as nails. He's, he's a kid that is very tough, will fight through the injuries, not going to constantly be in the training room uh complaining about his knees or complaining about little little knickknacks he'll fight through it and, and he'll continue to play so if he wants to come to tcu i think they're going to take a chance on him um if they liked what they saw this weekend and liked uh you know how they how he presented himself to them i think they'll end up getting him. but um i i, I haven't got any uh update on that yet to, to find out kind of where he's leaning or i don't even know if there's any other schools right now that are uh heavily recruiting him. Um, because of the knee issue, but it would obviously be a good player to add just because you're adding someone who has some experience. Let's take a look at the position that is the biggest need to get filled for this 2019 class. Uh, quarterback out of Western Iowa, uh, Max, Dug- uh, Max Duggan. He's got um, uh, an offer from Minnesota. He was getting some interest from Nebraska and Ohio State. But from what we hear and what you're reporting, the Frogs feel pretty good about their ability to land him. Tell us a little bit about his recruitment and where the Frogs stand and landed him. <clears throat> Well, I mean, even before Steve uh, Wiltfong had reported that it was Minnesota, TCU, and Ohio State, I think I'd mentioned on our board the same thing, and that was before Max even came down to visit TCU. So he was telling TCU all along that they're, they were in it, and they've just kind of quietly recruited him. It, it's kind of a, a strange recruitment because typically when you have a four-star quarterback, he's he's doing a ton of interviews, he's pretty active on social media he's not really like that he plays things close to the vest usually when you see an update from uh from him it's usually from his father um that's given the uh given the quote so max really doesn't get excuse me get out there and and really pump up where he's leaning to or anything else um i trust steve with this um with the reports that he's been given because i know he's got someone either in the family or close to the family that that gives him some information so usually when steve crystal balls some things he he understands and and knows it's pretty good information that he's receiving and from my end i've heard some good things now it's it's not where tcu feels like it's a lock um it with those type of recruits it's it's not a lock until really they sign even if he commits it's like oh you got to worry about hanging on to him kind of like they did with justin rogers last year but i know that um they feel good about it. Uh, I know when he came down and visited a few weeks ago that he had a really good time and, and really opened his eyes um, to TCU a little bit. Minnesota's going to be tough because he has that relationship with the coaches. He's visited several times, a little bit closer to homes. But 
Uh, I, I honestly think he's one of those quarterbacks that's more suited to the uh, big Big 12 uh, type of offense, a guy that can really run around, use his feet as well as his, his strong arm and um, excel in that type of offense. And, man, if TCU can somehow land him, they've done a phenomenal job recruiting the quarterback position the last three years. When you get a, a highly rated player like Sean Robinson and then the very next year you get a highly rated player like Justin Rogers. So if they can go out – and, and land max man that's a that's a great job by sonny cumby yeah if you can land three straight four stars that's that's what that's what programs do that win conferences that's what programs do that get to the playoff and in the big 12 you can't you cannot get to the playoff you cannot win the big 12 without uh dominant quarterback play and the frogs are putting themselves in a good position with with whoever of those three ends up leading them and 2020 2021 i'm excited about it because i feel like we've got really strong leadership on on at the quarterback position for the for the next four or five years you were at the under armor event in cedar hill today jeremy tell us a little bit about some frogs that you might have seen on display and anything else uh let's move through this quick who are some names that the frog fans might want to know about from the event well Jalen catalan was there Jalen looked really good i mean he's a guy that they have to get i mean he's just he's a difference maker and when you look at the safety roster for the frogs the next couple years they're going to lose some dudes i mean they're losing they're losing some good dudes and i think he's a guy that could come in and you really haven't seen a true freshman come in and and make an impact at safety um really since the days of uh uh golly i'm losing his name as soon as i almost said it i'm losing his name the kid out of south garland tj johnson T.J. Johnson was a guy that came in and just started as a true freshman. Gary Patterson loved him, and I think that's the type of pay- player Jalen Catalan is uh, that can come in, just really, really smart kid, has great ball instincts. He's he's not the biggest of guys, but what he what he lacks in size, he certainly makes up with with his athleticism. He just he breaks on the ball so fast. I mean, he I think he could play corner too. I mean, that's what kind of ball skills he has. He's got great hips, speed, just out you know through the roof i mean he just can play defensive back really really good um jacob clark was another guy that was out there that um, tcu has pretty high on the radar along with max jacob's one of the top quarterbacks they have on their list and jacob really did a good job spinning the ball today probably was uh out of the quarterbacks that, that were there is a really really good list of quarterbacks there he probably spun the ball the best out of everyone he has great velocity needs to work on his accuracy a little bit on the deep balls but overall he, he looked really good he's definitely passed the eyeball test he's every bit of six five 210 pounds and he's one of those guys it's kind of like michael collins right now on the roster he's big and everyone thinks he's just going to be stiff in the pocket but he's not he's he's able to escape the pocket and, and get some yards with his feet so uh definitely another guy that impressed me today uh stacy wilkins the offensive lineman out of arkansas visited a junior day uh tcu a while back he is a big big dude six seven probably close to 300 now TCU's among his favorites. He even had a, a little uh, TCU wristband on his wrist today, uh, one of those little uh, rubber wristbands those kids wear these days now. So everyone was asking me if I spotted that, and I was like, who are you talking to? I spotted that. The first thing I noticed on him was was the wristband. So I tweeted that out real fast. But Stacy looked really good. He was probably the best offensive lineman there. And it's funny because when, when his uh, recruiting process started, he was a three-star, but now he's getting – more looks people are seeing him in person now he's getting ranked even higher so he's he's going to continue to keep getting up there but i think uh tcu's and uh among his his top schools right now i don't think uh they're at the top of the list but they're obviously in it still he has a great relationship with uh 
with uh, Coach Thompson. The other guys, Gabriel Hall did pretty well, worked at defensive tackle. Um, TCU's recruiting him as an offensive lineman. Great size, really good kid, has TCU in his top two. Let's see. The one kid that I want TCU to really take a look at, he he came in for a junior day, but they haven't offered yet, is Torian Carter out of Legacy. This this is one of the nicest kids ever, man. This this dude is a big kid, but man, he is just so nice. But his he's got a frame where he could play outside or he can play inside. He's a lot like LJ Collier. He's not as big as LJ, but he has that type of ability. He has the type of ability where if they're playing a strong run team, he's going to be able to create uh, create some havoc to an offensive lineman and be able to stop the run uh, on, from the inside. If they're playing a, a pass heavy team, he could slide out to defensive end and just rush the quarterback like crazy. He's he's a very good player. I, I'm I'm kind of surprised they haven't offered him yet because. He's he's the kind of player that I see excelling in TCU's defensive scheme because he's just he's just got a high motor to him, and he's just he just seems like a really really coachable kid. There's a ton of kids out there that I saw and I did report on it. I've got a report from uh, from today's events up on the front page, I think, and uh, I talked about several kids in that little report. So if anyone wants to, I don't want to sit here for 45 minutes and break down every kid I saw, but. They can uh, definitely definitely read about it. I will say, uh, Darren Smith, Darren Smith, the the running back out of Lone Star, he is very very quick. I know people are going to knock his size. He's a little bit bigger than I anticipated last year. You know, TCU took to uh, Tejon Henry. He's a little bit bigger than Tejon. Um, Tejon's knock was his size, but everyone loved his speed. Well, Darren is kind of similar size, a little bit taller than Tejon. Kind of built the same way, but Darren is extremely fast too. Uh, Darren was a headache for linebackers and safeties in one-on-one drills today. He routinely got open, has great quickness, and I can see why TCU is recruiting him pretty good because he's not a skinny back. He's 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 definitely built, uh, and he can move. He can catch the ball good, and I I can definitely see why they think he could fit into their offensive system because he he can run the football and he could definitely split out, uh, motion out to slot, come in from slot, and and be able to uh, help them in the pass game as well. Well, I love the the update. That's that's the kind of stuff people listen to this podcast for because those are new names that we're going to be keeping an eye on. One of the things I learned last year during the early signing period, and I know that was the first year of it, is that everything kind of got moved back two or three months. And by the time by the time December hit, all the hay was in the barn unless there was a kid that was just adamant he was going to wait until the second signing day. So I think this summer, I went back and looked at the at the dates. By late May, you're going to start to see another wave of commitments. And these are the guys that you're referencing that I think are going to go a long way to building the class of 19. So that's the good stuff. And I appreciate you just sharing that with us. You can find all that on the board. If you're not a member of 24-7, I don't know what you're waiting on. So you need to go do that. Uh, well, I will say that uh, William Jones and Donovan Collins are, are definitely out there uh, recruiting for the class. Uh, and, and they're good friends with Jalen Catalan. And Jalen was actually at the spring game on Saturday, and uh, I've got to catch up with him on that. But that, you know, that's that's Colt Ellison was there, so they had some big big kids over there at the spring game um, that these guys are actively recruiting. And William Jones, I will say, he he reminds me a lot of uh, Anthony Tejada. Uh, the size is probably the thing that does it for me because Anthony was five ten, probably about one fifty five. William's a little bit bigger. But man, that he is just so explosive. He is so quick and just a speed guy. He's already ran a twenty-one-two this year in the two hundred, so he's one of the fastest kids in the state. But he definitely 
excuse me, has the, uh, uh, one of the best hips as far as change of direction. And he has excellent makeup speed. If, if a kid so happens to get off a press on him pretty quick or, or makes a good move and he's got his hips turned the wrong way, he's got great recovery speed. And, and that's one of the things that you have to have. And I will say this, this is, this, this has come up a hundred times on our board, uh, over, over the last few years, uh, with defensive back play at TCU. What's the one thing that people always talk about the TCU defensive backs, what they don't do? They don't play the ball. They don't turn their head and, and play the ball, right? Yes. I can't tell you how many times I heard a coach today say, do not turn your head. Do not turn your head. They were telling them, don't turn your head and look at the ball. Look for the ball. They, they told them not to. So it's not just a TCU thing. It's they're all in the belief if they if they uh, turn their head, they're losing a the step. So that's why they tell them not to do anything. Hey, everybody's a great football coach from a keyboard. That's all I know. Everybody's a great football coach from the keyboard. So if they, if Coach Patterson says don't turn your head, my suggestion is don't turn your head. That's all I need to know. Well, let's go ahead and flip gears here for our last segment that is maybe the most depressing. I enjoy talking about the spring game. I t- love talking about recruitment, especially when we got a new commitment added just within the last hour and a half. Daniel, let's talk a little baseball. Frogs are 15. You could, you could play that on an endless loop. The Frogs are 15 and 13, 4 and 4 in the Big 12. Yeah, you, you could play that, and I could do a soft talk. I don't know what the Frogs did to get in this position, but I don't know how they're going to get out of it. 15-3, and 4-4 four and four in the conference, 3-6 and six away from the friendly confines of Lupton. I know Coach Schlossnagel knows what to do to turn the corner, but will it happen in time? That and so much more on this episode of the Frogcast. Daniel, why do we stink this season? Man, I don't know. It shouldn't be this bad. Uh, the pitching is not up to snuff. It should be sort of what you, we would rely on, um, especially with the, the, the weekend rotation. Um, they've shown flashes of um, what they can do. I've seen it between uh, Janzak, Lodolo, and Weimer, but it's not consistent, and it, it, lets, it falls apart. And then, of course, base running is awful, but – We've got so many replacements in the field that they're, you know, they're coming around, but it's just not gelling and it's bad. Uh, I guess I, you know, I heard Schloss talking in the fall about, about the team and everything, and he was tempering expectations and I know why, uh, there's there's not a whole lot to be thrilled with. There's there's some bright spots. I mean, and of all the things, the team's falling apart. But here comes Michael Landestoy with the hottest bat we got, basically, and you know, hitting three whatever. Finally, you know, um, but the rest of the team can't do it. The only one, I mean, Baker's doing pretty good. Watson's doing pretty good. Um, but it's just it's not enough overall package, and I don't feel like there's enough team leadership. So like when, you know, when things look kind of bad, the, um, the morale falls apart and the coaches can only do so much. Um, and their kids, you know, it's, it's just going to affect them that way. So I don't know. That's just a handful of things that aren't, aren't going their way. And this is, 
not going to Omaha. I don't see a super regional. I don't even see going to a regional, much less hosting one. Yeah, I don't know what has to turn around, but I know that they're going in the wrong direction. You know, when when we got swept at Oklahoma State, turn around and lose two of three to Oklahoma. That's just that's a bad run there, and then you stick a loss to Dallas Baptist, who, who's probably the best of those three programs, uh, right in the middle of it. That is that is depressing. You know this this next series they got. Let's see here, they got UTA uh, at home, and then they go to Kansas for a three game series this weekend. If they can if they can win three of those four games, because UTA is not not garbage. If they can win three of those four games and then come back and beat ACU, that could put them in a spot to be able to maybe begin to get some traction going into that Big 12 tournament. I'm not smart enough on bracketology to know what threshold they have to, to meet to get into um, the, the, the NCAA tournament, but I know they're not going to get in at the pace they're playing right now. So they have a shot to improve. They have an opportunity to kind of bounce back, but I don't see any signs of – I don't see anything that says that's imminent. So – it's frustrating as can be. That's all I can add. That's all I got to say about that, as Forrest would say. All I got to say about that. Well, we've reached the the end of our outline. You guys got any thoughts on life or barbecue or good Mexican food or uh, how to how to make 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 life work a little bit better before we wrap up? You guys got any good news out in Parker County? No. Oh, I can't. I, I can't no give good a news review in on the uh, Polio's pizza that they put out here in Hazel. It is the hopping spot. Tell us about it. In our Fairburg. It is awesome. We, uh, I've been there probably about eight or nine times the last two and a half weeks. Yeah. Woo! I guess you got one. There's one here in Lido, and I haven't made it out to to eat there, but now I'm on a diet because I'm fat. And. I need to go on a diet because I was on a diet, but now again I'm. When back. you're going to right. Polio's Pizza four times a week, you're you're not on a diet. Yeah, so now I don't get to go. True. So I'll take your word for it. Hey, they have some good pasta and they have uh, good salads. Of course, the uh, tiramisu and the cheesecake and the you know great pizza is kind of a bummer too if you're trying to eat right. Dude, that's like. You're like predestining love handles with that. You need to not be eating there. Yeah, especially at my height. <laughs> I need to be like Daniel's height, be like six what five, about- and I won't have to worry about it. Just keep eating. <laughs> Just keep keep eating. I know us short guys. We gotta we gotta watch our weight, man. Tell us about your uh, your daughter's uh, volleyball tournament. You traveled across the country for a whole week <laughs> with your daughter for volleyball. I care. I care. Right now, I care more about that than I do the baseball team. <laughs> Hey, that was awesome. It was, it was, it was good, man. Hey, <laughs> we drove down there, and uh, that's that's the first time I've driven that far in a, in a car. Yeah, to Atlanta. We, to Atlanta. Yeah, okay. it, it started it started raining hard on us about mid Mississippi, and then it took us thirteen hours to get from three seventy seven in Fort Worth at Benbrook, three seventy seven and twenty to get to Atlanta. On the way home, it took us eleven hours, so we were flying. Ooh. I will say. No offense to our Louisiana listeners, because I know we have some. Y'all got to fix y'all's roads, man. Holy cow. Ooh. The roads, bad. Not good. Fast food in Georgia and Mississippi and Alabama, y'all work slow. Pick up the pace. Seriously, pick up the pace. 
Make up face. But Atlanta, Atlanta's right. a really cool town. I, li- I liked Atlanta. It, and just, I drove through Tuscaloosa, thought, what's so great about this place? You know, that was one of those things. But uh, it, it's it's a pretty part of the country, I guess, when you get closer down to uh, Alabama and uh, Georgia, the eastern part of Alabama. It's pretty nice down there. I like it. Wasn't bad. Volleyball was great. Got That's a good, good bonding experience with the daughter. So that was always fun. And uh, I tried to uh, stay as close to the boards as I could. But when you're uh, playing volleyball almost all day, it's it's kind of tough. But, hey, man, I gave you guys a heads up. So I hope everyone understood. You only get these chances every so often. So got to take, gotta take your uh, time away from the keyboard when you can. That's right. Enjoy your time. You'll never regret hanging out with your kids. True story. Never, 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 never. No, I got some, I got some good news. This is breaking athletic news right here. My son is graduating next month and he's got a full, full ride academic room and board to Southern Illinois Edwardsville, which is across the river from St. Louis. And he's in contact with the coaches and he's going to walk on That's division one program in the, in, in, in the Missouri Valley. So, I'm pretty pumped about go, that, man. man. I'm pretty excited for. It. I'm very proud of. It. He he earned it. He he sought it out. He made the effort. He he made he just made a really good AAU team that's playing travel ball right now. So awesome, I'm real man. proud of it. Congrats on that. So when you got your own when you got your own podcast, you can give your own shout out to your son Reese. Way to go, son. I love you. Way that's to go. Awesome. Way to go. <laughs> Tell him congrats from uh, the it staff is. of Horn Frog Blitz. Did didn't you bring him to visit TCU? You know, I did bring him to visit TCU. And Wait a he, minute. Uh, hell, Southern Illinois over T- <laughs> okay, I take back my congratulations now. Um, <laughs> still, man, that's awesome. You know, so, it, I know. It, it's so great. What, know. What's their school colors, Jeff? Uh, I think they're purple and white, actually. Okay, well, that's very cool. See, yeah. people always ask me every time. They, they always say, you seem like a big TCU fan or you cover TCU. I, I bet you want your kids to go to TCU and – I tell everyone, you know, I I don't care what school colors they put on. I would be just so glad if they had that opportunity. So for you to have your son to have that opportunity, that's that's so awesome, man. I, I hope one day that both my kids have that opportunity if they continue playing sports. I'll I'll put on any school color. I don't care if it's Midwest directional state university wherever the world it is. I'm going to proudly put on those school colors, man. So Dome that purple and white, my friend. That's awesome for your son. I'm proud for him. No, I told Yeah, it is. It is. He earned it because he's smart, not because he's a great basketball player. He's a, he's a quality basketball player, but he's smart. I mean, so. I went to UTA, and I'm still not paying that off. <laughs> you help, your, uh, your funds are helping pay for that new basketball arena they have. That new basketball coach that they hired after firing cross – Wow. Oh, that was a dumb move. I said I'm not paying it off. Y'all oh. missed that. <laughs> I know you're st- you're you're stiffing the government. I love it. I'm proud of you. That's right. <laughs> That's right. No, Jeremy, I I understand what you're saying. I I told him the only thing he had to do was go look at it because he had some uh, some very viable scholarship options there, and that he needed to not ignore that. But he went, took a big tour, had interaction, did what he was supposed to do, and I told him, hey, you don't have to go there, and you're not going to disappoint me at all. I just want you to look at it, and if you want to go somewhere else, that's fine. He went and looked at it, and 
want to go somewhere else. And I, I'm not even joking. That hasn't bothered me one bit because I want my parents. I, I don't have TCU in my blood. My parents let me move 900 miles to go to a place I've been to once because they knew I wanted to go. So yeah. I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to take away the gift from him that my parents gave to me because this is what he wants and he found it and I'm proud of him. So very cool. It is cool. It is cool. All right, boys. That's a that's about an hour on this podcast, and uh, hopefully by the time we get back on, we'll have a m- couple more recruits in the barn. So we will bring this episode to a close. So for Daniel and for Jeremy, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thank you so much for listening to the broadcast. Yeah.